now listening to Pastor Adriel Cruz with World Renegade Church. If I were to ask you what a disciple is, how would you respond to that? We could say disciples are followers, right? Followers of Jesus. What else would you say a disciple is? Fishers of men, ministers. When asked what a disciple is, even a better response is to say, a dead man. A disciple is a dead man. We learned last week of how the Apostle Paul, he said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ. So he didn't look at himself anymore as being the controller of his destiny. But he, he looked to the risen Christ and saying that it's no longer I who live. It's no longer me. Like this is no longer about me. This, this world is no longer about me. This day that I'm living, this room I'm in, this, this thought I'm this is not about me. The goals I had, the, the thoughts that come to my mind, it's not about me. But it's now Christ who's in full control because I submit myself to him. Because see, what God does in a disciple's life is he puts his desires in their hearts. The disciple's life, their desires become God's. So it's like a beautiful working of, it's a, it's a complex thing, but it's like, wait a minute, like if I'm seeking the kingdom first, he's just going to put his desires in my heart. And, what, and then what a disciple is going to feel is that, wait a minute, I'm desiring something that I could read in the scriptures and wow, they desire the same thing and they're doing the same thing that I desire. It's like, wait a minute, now I have this newfound desire to be more like Christ. It's not, God, I desire to be on the stage with the microphone so people could hear me sing, people could see me dance. It's, it's no longer that, but it's like, Lord, everything that I do, I want to do for your glory because you've changed me. You've brought me from death to life. See, a disciple is a dead man as well because he knows that it is he didn't pay for his eternal life. There's nothing that the person did for them to merit the grace and the favor that God has given because God has given it freely to those who would reach out and grab it. So disciples are dead men. I want us to get this. Again, I remember at the, uh, the, first the first week of this series, I said, if we don't get this, what disciples are, if we don't understand this, then we're not going to move on from this. Because if we do, I'll be doing a disservice to the church because this is one of the primary things that we need to know as a church. And that's living as disciples. I could give you points on, hey, you could reach your friend in this way. Give them a story. Show him a rap song. Give him a YouTube video link. These are all ways that you can help your friend find Christ. My friend, I could do all that. But what would help, what's so invaluable, is you understanding the concept of what it is to die to yourself, carry your cross or your casket, and live your life saying, God, I am at your, in your hands, and it's up to your discretion what I do, where I go, how I live my life, what I watch, what I say. And this is the thing. God makes it easy for those who, are, who already submitted themselves and gave them the white flag. It's a hard thing to be a disciple. We learned last week about counting the cost, did we not? 
counting the cost. When that army is coming our way, fight it or surrender to it and let the army just do whatever it needs to do. A disciple is a renegade of the world. A disciple says, man, I, I'm not going to stand for what, what everybody else is standing for. So let me ask you again, what is a disciple? A dead man. A dead man. Jesus made a call and he said, if anyone is going to follow me, then he must leave everything behind. You could only imagine what those people felt when they heard Jesus saying that. They're like, wait a minute. They're holding their wife's hand, their husband's hand. What? Love you less. I'm not willing to do that. Right? Maybe they have their babies, their kids with them. Wait, love my kids less? Oh my God, they're my everything. But Jesus says flat out, he says, if you don't love them less, you don't leave everything behind, you can't be my disciple. And what does that mean? Some of you will say, oh my God, but it's Jesus. I don't care. I'm going I'm to go to him. But some of you may question and say, but what does that mean? I want you to understand that it's not that you're losing anything, but it's that you're gaining everything. Yes, when you follow Christ, you're not losing a thing, but you're gaining everything. Things that you would, couldn't even imagine you can have. Things you couldn't even imagine you can do, say, be. Jesus will do that. But at first, you have to count the cost. What happened in the lives of those men who actually said, Jesus, I'm going to do it. Where Jesus calls these men, these fishermen, and these, these other uh, men in their, in their trades and their jobs, and he says, follow me. When those men made the decision to be obedient to what Jesus said, those men changed the world. They changed the world. So much so that what they invested in, what God had done in them, through about 18 months, it wasn't even, you would think that those men that Jesus were training would need four years of seminary, right? They would, they would, need, they would need seminary, they would need their masters, they would be masters, of, they'd need this stuff. Jesus, less than that time that it, that it takes to get that now, Jesus was pouring into them. He was teaching them so much so that these men even made mistakes along the way. These men made mistakes. These men were, were actually messing up. These men were actually falling asleep when Jesus said, let's pray. What are you guys doing? Let's pray. And, and they, they fell asleep. But these men that said yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow him. Man, they changed the world. And, and, and these men were trained, again, for mere months. Some even denied Christ. The disciples went back to work when Jesus ascended. How many remember that? Yeah. Right? That's like, what? Wait, what do you mean? Like, Jesus was with you. You saw these miracles. You saw these signs. You saw all this stuff. You called him Lord. You did all these things. And then when he ascends, you just go back. Oh, guess I guess, Anthony, let's just go back to work. Uh, just hand in the net. They, they went back to work. It's like, you know, for us, I mean, me, when I'm reading, I'm like, but how? And then I, I remember, wait a minute, we're dumb. I forgot, we're humans. We're, we, we think weird. We're so impressionable in, in a foolish way. We're so carnal at times. And the king of kings, God was with them. The Messiah was there with them. And yet they still denied. But guess what? 
What did Jesus do in his grace? Always saving the day, always outshining everybody, always being the best he is, the most loving ever. He actually comes back to the same guys who went back to work and denied him. He used people who doubted him. He used ordinary men. Can someone say ordinary men? Ordinary men. Ordinary. You, you, would understand, you, would say, amen. You, would, you would think that these men had to be the most astute, right? They had to be the most intellectual men. Oh, see, Jesus, man, the way he is, he's super smart, so we need some super smart dudes. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to bring Ralphie with us. And he's all like, oh, Jesus, you know, uh, yeah. And then God still transform them and use them in such a great degree. Right? So these men had faults and they made mistakes. But as foolish as they were at times, their ministry is influencing us here tonight. Their ministry, many years ago, is influencing us here tonight. We here talking about the same thing that drove them. Will it drive you tonight? Will it drive this church to where God wants to take us? Because if God doesn't build a church, the Bible says the laborers labor in vain. God's building an army. How many want to be a part of that army? How many are like, man, oh, God, train me. Train me through your word, through relationships, through heartbreak, through this. But train me that I be a faithful soldier and complete the race that you have me on. These men were instruments in the hands of God. Instruments. Think of yourself as an instrument. Say, man, man what instrument would I be? Would I be a tuba? <laughs> would I be a, a saxophone, a, a, a piano? I mean, how would God use me in that way? If I was an instrument, just thinking of in the musical sense, to say, how could... Man, I, I'm something that God can use. I, I want Him to use me. I don't want to be dusty. I don't want to be a dusty out of two instrument. Right? I, I don't want to be something that God grabs and is like, whoa, this is dusty. I don't know about y'all, but I just, man, I want to give the best to the Lord. We, we, we gave partially the best when we were fasting. So we want to do our best to live our lives in that way to say, God, do what you will with me because I want to be used by you, Lord. And the awesome thing is, is that when God calls people, he doesn't relent. When God calls somebody, he does not relent. When God calls you, there's nothing you could do to run away from him. Right? You could stop attending a church fellowship. You could do whatever it is. You're at the club somewhere, you're going to feel something. You're going to be like, oh, man. You're going to fight it. Right? You're going to fight it and you're going to be all happy with your girls. Hey, yeah. Man, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm faking it, Monday, back to work, and, and then, then somebody on Facebook posts a little Bible scripture, and you're like liking it, right, you press like, and you're like, yes, <laughs> right, but, so when God calls, though, he doesn't relent, right, what does that mean, you may fail, he never does, Amen. you will fail, you may fail, he never does, right, he is faithful, till the end, he is faithful, Jesus is faithful, how cocky, how prideful we are sometimes to say, man, Jesus, how could you say this? And oh my God, Jesus is so harsh here. And he sold this, that, and the other. And Jesus is there, the most faithful. He's just waiting for us to respond. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. I don't want to take away from this story. Can we get into a story mode right now? Can we do this? Yes. Are we ready? I want, I, want you, I want you to be back there in your, in your mind Get back to this time. 
Come on, wake up now. Are we ready? Yes. Yes, yes come on. I got to be woke up too. You got to wake me up as well. Come on, my eyes, bad contacts, make my eyes sleepy. Let's do this. Amen. Chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They're preaching Christ. Peter's preaching Christ. And all of a sudden, the religious officials of that time are getting upset with that. Can somebody say religious? Religious. You would think it was some atheist thing. You know how nowadays the atheist community is, is really mad about uh, nativity scenes and things of that, of that nature. Take that down. We don't, you know, no. This is religious people who were looked at as, wow, these guys are holy guys. They were coming against the preached word, okay? So, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed. Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them. Can someone say they arrested them? They arrested them. And put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. <laughs> so you could see, hold on, just with that alone. <laughs> It's like, dude, the devil is annoying, right? People are just mad, right? But it's like God's still going to have, have his way. 5,000 people were reached, and you lock up two? <laughs> That's fine. That's what I'll say. I've been 5,000. Man, lock me up, dude. Like, seriously, just keep me locked up. 5,000 people who just heard the word. They received it, man. They're going to go out, and they're going to do this thing, man. Let's pray for them while we're locked up. That's cool. We have time to pray now. We don't have nothing else to do, right? <laughs> Let's do this. So verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John, the, John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, look how he put that in there, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by... Come on now, hold up really quick. Hold up really quick. First of all, this man is, is in court now, okay? He's in court. But notice how he's preaching the gospel even in court. He could have just said, hey, but I didn't... I'm sorry, I, you know, I just was doing what I... You know, I didn't have... He was out there with boldness. He, he, he spoke so well. And he was so serious about what he was saying. And he throws in there that you crucified him. He wanted to make, like, put the blame on them. Like, you guys did this. I want, to make, I want you to know that. They had just healed a crippled man, by the way. So that's what this is about. The people came when they saw a crippled man healed. They saw a miracle. They surrounded Peter. They were doing that. And he preached. Verse 11. 
This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So he proclaimed that only Jesus can save somebody. Not the gods that people worshipped at that time. Not any other worldview. He said Jesus is the only name that would bring people to eternity. That would bring people to be saved from their sin. Only Jesus. Only one way to heaven. Verse 13. Now when they, who's they? The priests and the officials, right? Right? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Do you see that? Just by the boldness in their speech, what they knew about Jesus, just by declaring that now, these men who were educated, because they were judging their intellect, uh, they, they must have thought that they were higher on the totem pole of, of, of greater thought, right? More holy, I guess. And they looked at them and said, man, these are common dudes, common guys, but wow, these guys were with Jesus. Verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. How many know it helps when there's a healed man right next to you, <laughs> right? We got a man, come on now. If, th if that generation at that time needed to see a healing, a miracle, man, I could understand that people would be blown away when someone's really healed that they saw in a wheelchair or saw down. Not as a show, but as a real life in the street thing. Imagine that if we were in the street, my God, and there was somebody in the wheelchair, they're broken, and, they're, and then all of a sudden never stood up before they're standing up. It's like, oh my God, dude. There, I would just bow down and worship Jesus right there on the, like, that's it. Right? I wouldn't be like, you're healed. <laughs> it's just like oh my god you're like whoa no. like you know and, <laughs> anywho I'll probably hug him so hard he'll probably need a wheelchair after that. <laughs> so <laughs> verse 14 but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them in other words the proof they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded watch this now look what they tell him to do these are the cops of the time by the way so I'm gonna say cops uh, when they had commanded them to leave the council they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. It's always good to give the world something they can't deny. They could say it with words. They could try to, but they could never deny it when they really think <laughs> about it. Verse 17 but in order that it may spread no further among the people. Look what they're saying. They're saying, we don't want Jesus preached anymore. Why? Why do you think then? You think they were, they felt so shriveled in their high priestly roles? They felt, oh my gosh, these regular guys are doing all this great stuff. They gathered all these people, but see, we're the high priests. Right? Louis said it. They felt powerless. They felt like, man, man, 
These guys are really with Jesus. We're over here high priests, and all of a sudden people are healed. I mean, well, I never healed anybody, and they're doing that. So, so they're trying to shut it down. They've seen it, and they're getting upset with it. So look what happens. They didn't want it to be preached, so they said in order, verse 17, that it may spread no further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Look at that but in verse 19. But Peter and John answered them and he said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, they're saying, we're going to listen to God not you right these guys had all the authority and they said we're going to listen to god on this one you told us not to god has called us to do it and we're going to keep doing it verse 21 and when they had further threatened them so you would you would you would expect these guys to threaten them again hey well, well wait a minute you just spoke against me i just told you not to do something you said you're going to come against it now, just to be clear, it's not that they were coming against authority in, in a weird, rebellious way, right? Like you're, oh no, forget the police, NWA, yeah, forget all this, right? It's not that, right? God has placed authority where it is, the Bible says, right? So we want to honor that. But when that authority is trying to be above God's word, trying to pressure people to not speak or preach God's word, then guess who now takes full authority over the situation? That's God, who always is in authority. Amen? Amen. So this is not a sense of like just disrespecting and whatnot, but this means that when it had to do with God and what God called them to do, no man was going to stop them. Are y'all seeing that? Just like with World Renegade Church, people may leave, people may say stuff, but guess what? Nobody's going to stop us because <laughs> God is with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've Amen. seen it. The reason why we're here now is because God's with us. The reason why we started is because God's with us. We've seen stories. We've heard miracles. We've heard great things. God is with us, so this won't stop. People are going to be mad at us. People are going to want to say, no, that's a fake this, and that's, oh, look at that, and look at how dumb things, just random things, right? But we're going to keep going. Why? Because God is with us. God was with Peter and John as well. Verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. <laughs> no way to punish them. No way to punish them because they weren't committing an actual crime. You know, they weren't actually hurting someone. They were just speaking. They were just opening up their mouth and speaking. And I believe one day that our rights to be able to speak freely about Christ will be taken away from us. Yeah. I believe it will. Hopefully not. The only reason I say that is because it's already taken away from so many other people across the world. It only How long is it going to take for us to get in that, in that wind of that? Or our government start doing that? We see it already. If you guys are not hip to what's going on in the, in the, in the government regarding Christians, they want to shut, shut Christians down. Man, you could, you could look at it. Anything that has to do with Christ, it's going to slowly become hate speech. Anything that's going to do with the Bible is hate speech. They'll start finding people. They'll start saying, you can't do this. You're going to have to stop. Don't ever preach this. Man, and when that happens, guess what we're going to have to do? Do it anyway. Meet wherever we have to meet. You know where, China, where some of the church in China meets? In caves? They meet underground? Can you believe that? Christian people are, it kind of looks like we're in a weird place now, but 
there are people like in a cold, clammy cave meeting just like we are. Guess what they're doing? They're singing to Jesus because Jesus changed them. They're being persecuted. They're having to run and hide. And they're still spreading the gospel real quietly. They can't even own a Bible and they have little pieces of the Bible. And, and there's people in other countries, pastors getting whooped. We, we have a video of it. Pastors in India, Pakistan and whatnot getting whooped by the policemen. Overpowering the kids and the women. We see it. They're just with, with these poles just whipping everybody. In, they barged in their service where they're lifting their hands and praising Jesus. The cops come in and start whipping everybody. That's what they do. Because they have a right to do it. They're now in authority over there. So they're suffering. The church is suffering. So how long will it take for that to happen here? We don't know. Let us do what we can now. Safely, sort of. But we also have to know that, again, living a disciple's life is a dead man. A dead man's life. Meaning, guess what? Nobody can take your life from you already. You already gave it. Are y'all hearing that? Nobody could take your life from you. When you've given it to Christ, nobody could take it. Oh, there's a gun by my head. Oh, my God. I died a long time ago. <sighs> Come on. Don't fear a man who can kill the body but not the soul. Look at this guy. Amen. <laughs> right? Don't fear a man who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the soul and the body in hell. Right? Woo. So, verse 20. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Look at that. Peter and John saw it. They heard it, and they can't help to speak it. You see that? They heard it, right? Just like y'all are hearing it now about Jesus. You haven't heard it completely, but you've heard what Jesus did. Some of you know it, so you know that much. Jesus is God, and we believe that he took our sins upon himself, right? So he rose. He gave his life up for the entire world, that those who would trust in him, believe in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So verse 20, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Verse 21, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. They were all praising God. Verse 22, for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. We're about to end right now. Watch this. When they were released, when Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They said, we can't preach about Jesus anymore. Okay? And when the other guys heard it, verse 24, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? They're talking about the priests, the people who were just persecuting them. They correlated the Old Testament scripture of the word of God to that situation. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, they're still praying now, guys. They're praying this. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all what? Boldness. Can you shout that boldly? Boldness. Boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal. 
and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant who? Jesus. Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We made it happen. Now, there's two types of people in here. Ones that need to pray for boldness in the face of persecution because that's one step of being a disciple. Being dead to the person that you once were, being alive in Christ. And the other types of people here don't know what it is to be a disciple. And I pray that you would pray right now to the Lord. He's here. He's with you. When you go out of here, he's still going to want to be with you. He's still going to want to have relationship with you. Just express your heart to Jesus right now where you're at. Wherever you are in those two scenarios. Trust in Jesus because he wants you to himself and he wants to do greater things in you. Only through him can you be cleansed of sin. Just trust in Jesus' finished work at the cross. Thank you for listening. Visit razoo.com forward slash World Renegade Church and help World Renegade in reaching their communities, the city, and the world with the transformational power of the gospel.